Welcome to season four of the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. I'm Ashley Miltite. On this season, we're taking a look at the future. We're looking at how the things you do every day will be different 10, 20, 50 years from now. How will you pay for your groceries? Where will you buy your clothes? What will your food taste like? To answer these questions, we're going to the places where the future is already happening. This season, our trip to the future will take us all over the globe, from the US to Sweden, from Japan to Tanzania, because the future is already happening somewhere. It's just a matter of knowing where to find it. On today's episode, we take a trip to a future where there's no more cash. So uh, it was a very, very cold day in the middle of winter in Stockholm. So it's like one in the afternoon and the sun is already like two thirds set. Um, It's in this sort of beautiful, you know, classic old European city street. um, And it's sort of this very anonymous looking storefront that says uh, stay calm, body piercing. And honestly, it was I was I was terribly nervous. This is Charlie Warzel. He's a senior technology reporter for BuzzFeed News. In 2016, Charlie took a trip to Sweden looking for something that would change his body forever. The the guy, you know, sat me down at a at a table, had all like, you know, the sterilized instruments, is is talking to me, um, and sort of distracting me from the process of what's going on. And then uh, I notice sort of out of the corner of my eye, he pulls out just a like the largest thickest needle I've ever seen in my life um and and you know says like okay so here's the chip the chip is an RFID chip it's about the size of a liquid gel pill that can store small bits of code think about those plastic cards you tap against a card reader to unlock your hotel room it's the same technology in 2016 some companies in Sweden were already offering subdermal microchips to their employees so they could unlock buildings without taking out their wallets and that led Charlie to think about what else this chip might be able to do the guy kind of threads it inside this like injector needle thing and it kind of looks like a, like a like if a needle were crossed with like a shovel <laughs> is how I, is how I would say it Everyone I had, had had talked to about it had really downplayed it. Had said it was very small. Said it was not. You know, it feels like a pinch, and you're and you're done. Um, it did not feel like a pinch. That chip, it would allow Charlie to pay for things with his hand, and one day this chip might let Charlie ditch cash forever. It's one thing to sort of say that the future is this, you know, weird cryptocurrency type thing. But I really felt like needed to sort of elevate stakes and and, and like truly put skin in the game. Like if I want to get this thing out of my hand, I have to go to a doctor who's going to take it out with a scalpel. You know, it's, a, it's an ordeal. Like you can't control, I'll delete this thing in your hand. <laughs> On the last season of the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast, we dove into the world of cryptocurrencies. Even though most people still aren't buying their bagels with cryptocurrency, they are looking for more ways to spend money without spending cash. We already can fathom how you might spend a day without spending any physical cash. You take a car to work via a ride-sharing app. You and your friend go out for coffee. She pays with a credit card at a cashless business. You then pay her back, transferring money from your bank account to hers with a money transfer app. But will we ever go completely cashless? In this episode, we travel to where the cashless future is actually happening, Sweden. 
So I found this uh, 500 kroner bill in my wallet and uh, I had completely forgotten that it was there. The other day I was trying to buy a hot dog and I tried to pay with a card and the purchase was denied because I didn't have enough money on my card. So I took out my phone and I, I transferred some money from another account. And it wasn't until like 15 minutes later that it occurred to me like, oh yeah, I have this cash in my wallet that I could have used and it would have been faster because I so rarely have cash. This is Osa Seca, a Swedish journalist who's watching firsthand as her country goes cashless. Cash used to be a normal part of Osa's life, but these days? I don't think I can remember the last time I paid with cash, actually. And it's not just Osa. Physical cash makes up only 1% of Sweden's economy. And by 2025, half of Sweden's retailers won't even accept bills and coins. That trend is starting to pick up speed. A lot of Swedes already favor cards and e-payments over cash. I mean, I can't even tell the coins apart. (laughs) It's like I'm abroad in my own country. I can't tell the coins apart. Like, if I would have coins, I would have to, like, ask the person in the store to help me sort them out. I know that Astrid Lindgren, um, who's the famous uh, children's book writer who wrote The Belong Stocking and all those great stories, uh, she's on the 20, 20 kroner bill. Um, I know that. Um, the others, I'm not so sure. As more people are getting rid of cash, even the government has hopped on board. They're currently testing a new government-issued digital currency, the e-krona. There are a lot of reasons why Sweden is one of the first places to take such a big step into the cashless future. Sweden has already taken an independent approach to money. Unlike its neighbours, Sweden is on the krona, not the euro. But Sweden is part of the EU, which makes it really easy for Swedes to travel around Europe. But exchanging krona for euros every time you leave the country can get annoying. And of course, Sweden is comparatively pretty small with a history of being a social state. When you put all of those pieces together, it makes sense to me that Sweden would see its cash usage drop. Now, a country like Sweden, it's probably not much of an issue. If you looked at the U.S., on the other hand, if we were to go cashless, it would have probably a small but measurable impact on uh our economy and on our central bank. That's James Fawcett, a senior equity research analyst at Morgan Stanley. It's his job to look at that exciting cashless future springing up in Sweden and think about the challenges that might come with embracing a similar future in the US. If a country decides to go completely cashless, typically the central bank or the issuing authority will try to retire all that cash. And so they'll ask you to exchange it Uh, so that you can get a credit into your digital account, whatever that looks like. Going cashless might not be an easy sell, especially in a place like the United States. The US dollar has value way beyond the country's borders. And even within the country itself, not everyone is going to fork over all their money to the government just because it says so. It will be really difficult for the central bank to recall all that cash. So if you have people left with dollars that they can no longer spend anywhere, that's a bit of a problem for the economy. Still, there are reasons why a cashless future could be worth it. Tax evasion typically becomes a lot harder, so your tax collection rates can go up, which tend to improve the finances and the fiscal standing of a, of a country or jurisdiction. You no longer need to have cash registers. You no longer need to have armed guards to, to move the cash around. 
more reliable tax collection could make a cashless economy appealing enough for any government to forego cash. But even if an entire government doesn't opt to go cashless, a cashless future could still be in the works. It just takes businesses and individuals to get it going. At the end of the day, a business wants to get paid for its goods or services. And so if there's demand to pay with a certain type of, of medium or service, businesses will, will, will accept that. Basically, for a business to be willing to accept something, it just needs a critical mass of customers demanding to pay with that particular method. Think about it. When you pay for your morning coffee without cash, you don't have to dig around in your pocket for extra bills. The line moves more quickly. You might even get to work a few minutes earlier. And for businesses, this means cashiers don't have to worry about giving customers exact change. Everything is automated, and those faster lines can get more customers in and out the door. More efficient, more reliable, lower risk. So why not do it? There would absolutely be winners and losers if we moved to a cashless society. This is Lisa Servan. She's a professor of city and regional planning at the University of Pennsylvania, and she thinks a lot about how people access and use money. Lisa says even in the U.S., there are more and more businesses that are going cashless. You have to pay for your coffee with a credit card. But for some people, that's not feasible. The people, I think, who are at the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum and those who are more likely to be unbanked or underbanked are likely to be using more cash and to rely on cash to conduct their financial lives. If you think about having to arrange your life, you're probably somebody who already has to do more uh, uh, things that are inconvenient in terms of getting around the city, getting to work, figuring out where you're gonna pay your bills, sometimes going in person to places because you can't do online banking. And then you're, you're trying to just take care of, of life buying things, um, and the folks that you want to buy from will not accept cash. In 2018, 7% of Americans didn't have a bank account. But James says moving away from cash doesn't have to mean leaving those people behind. The cost of access to connectivity has, in general, come down, uh, and that we have better availability of smartphones and and the like that it allows traditional financial services to move online. You don't have to wait for a bank to come to your neighborhood. And you don't have to wait for uh, people offering financial services to find you. You can go and find them a lot more easily electronically. And, and that certainly is a benefit. So maybe moving away from cash and towards more strictly electronic banking could be good news for people without a bank account. But getting to a bank is only part of the problem. For some, opening a bank account can be too expensive. There's the cost of starting the account, and then there are overdraft fees and fines if you can't maintain the account minimum. And, Lisa says, it's not only those without a bank account who could struggle without cash. There's a growing population of people who are what we what we might think of as being middle class, who have stable jobs, college educations, even who own their homes, who are financially unstable, who really don't aren't able to save, who are living paycheck to paycheck. They're almost like the invisible precarious folks um, because we don't think of them. But I think increasingly, those people will be left behind. 
In 2018, another 20% of people had a bank account, but still had to rely on alternative financial services like check-cashing businesses and payday lenders to make ends meet. If the U.S. goes cashless, what happens to them? I think there's a lot of potential in fintech, which is kind of the umbrella category for all of these different apps and online banks, for reaching people who are having trouble um, or who are left out of the mainstream financial system. But many of the apps actually have kind of a bank running behind them. So it looks kind of sexy in fintech and non-mainstream on your phone, but there's a bank behind it. But it's possible that more creative solutions that benefit everyone could start popping up in place of cash. We already have payment apps that allow us to easily transfer money from a bank account. But now there are businesses that are creating ways to transfer money electronically without a bank account. It's like the pipes underlying the banking system that's trying to solve that problem of why it takes so long for a check to clear in your account. So they're creating a a kind of internet of value is the way that they describe it. So that if you transfer anything of value from one person to another, it shows up immediately and without cost. Making sure that nobody gets left behind. That's just one potential problem with a cashless economy. There are other problems too. Here's Ossa in Sweden again. So I got a new credit card a couple of months back. and it's uh, Ossa's new credit card, like so many in Sweden, not only had a chip, but it also had this new piece of technology, RFID technology. Symbol, it looks like a Wi-Fi symbol, but it means you can... And that's because it's wireless enabled. It's the same technology that's in Charlie's hand. Instead of inserting your card into a card reader, all you have to do is tap the card and you've paid. But this technology opens another door to trouble, security. Anyone who can get their hands on a card reader can take it to a public place and easily rob anyone they get close to. Put in your code if it's under a certain amount, I think it's 200 kroners or something. And then they, they walk up to people like on escalators and stuff where you can stand really close to people without them noticing. And then they like blip their cards through their bags. So it's like someone robbing you without actually taking out your wallet. Companies are working on solving this problem with shield wallets and other RFID blocking solutions. But until they find the perfect fix? The good news is that the actual incidents of fraud are very, very low. Globally, they're less than one-tenth of one percent. Unlike someone running away with the cash in your pocket, digital money can easily be recovered. Most banks already have protections in place to help you get your money back. But something banks haven't figured out just yet, privacy protection. I don't think that it's all sort of rosy or the way of the future. I think it's actually a way in which banks and rewards companies and, you know, applications that start up their own payment services. Uh, It's a way for them to actually get more and more customer data. And I think we live in a time right now where we're not even sure, you know, how those companies are going to use that and if they're going to abuse it. But as Charlie said, we don't know how customer information will be used. We're not far enough into the future to really understand what's at stake when we swipe our cards or buy something online. And right now, we just accept that sharing information about our purchases and habits is an inevitable part of going cashless. Privacy has been kind of a a mutating sense. Today, I think it's pretty clear that most people accept a different level of perceived 
personal privacy than they did 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And I don't know whether that's good or bad, but it perception of privacy has been changing and continues to change. And as we go to electronic payments and as those become more pervasive, I think that will continue to be the case. Fraud, privacy, losing your secret stash of cash under your mattress. It's scary to think about all at once. But the reality is it will happen slowly. Just as our feelings around privacy have gradually changed, the way that we interact with cash won't change overnight. It's not like we'll wake up one morning and never use cash again. Instead, that transition is happening on a very personal and organic basis where one day you're paying for something in cash and just because you're using your credit and debit card all the time other places, you're either carrying less cash or you're just habituated to pulling out the card instead of cash. But slowly, all those individual transactions without cash will add up. When I look at the future, I think that more and more transactions are going to be done electronically. It's whether it be because we're looking for more convenience, we're looking for more recourse and cheaper protections for our money. We're trying to squeeze out everything that we can, all the efficiencies that we can imagine out of processes, et cetera. 10 years from now, do I think cash is gone? No, but I think it's certainly smaller portion of, of the payment world than it is today. And, and I think we just continue to march towards that point of ultimately a cashless society. You know how my generation kind of like I can remember what it was like before the internet. I can remember what it was like before I had a cell phone. And I feel like I'm going to be the generation who remembers what it was like using cash, but then was also part of the transition into a society where we don't use cash. Of course, other countries like India have made significant strides towards a cashless economy too. But Sweden is already five steps closer to the future than most places. Today, 4,000 Swedes already have RFID implants like Charlie's. But for Charlie, walking around with the future in his hand, there's still a long way to go. He remembers the first and only time he's ever used his chip in America. With the help of some friends in the fintech world, Charlie was able to take a step into the future. He bought dinner at a restaurant. Uh, we went there, we had this, you know, big, great meal and then uh, walked up to the counter. Uh, I sort of reached my hand out kind of nervously and like waved it over the uh, sensor and nothing happened. And I just thought to myself, like, of course, this isn't going to work. Um, and then uh, I just kind of twisted my hand another like quarter of an inch to the right, waved it over. And all of a sudden you heard this cash register sound. And then all of us kind of like, you know, fist pumped and the cashier was like really excited. And it kind of, everyone in the restaurant was very confused because it was like, it looked like I had gone up and, you know, paid for my meal and everyone was just like um, overly enthusiastic. But um, at the end of the day, it is technically the first like meal that anyone has legally paid for uh, using a part of their body. So there you go.
you know, we always talk about how the future is, you know, here or the next thing is here. But, you know, when it comes to the future of something as essential as money, as the way that we pay for things, I think that the, you know, the future of that is actually a bit far off. It it showed me that you really do have to go to kind of extreme lengths to um, try to rid yourself of something as essential as, you know, a wallet. Thanks for listening to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. You can listen to previous episodes at morganstanley.com slash ideas. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. See you next time.